Welcome back to another episode of After the Buzzer. My name is Jack, alongside my co-host Tyler. And today we will be going over a plethora of topics, including the NFL playoff matchups for this upcoming weekend, uh, recapping some of the college football bowl games, um, taking a dive into the World Juniors, and then our hot take segment per usual. Yeah, it's going to be a good episode. I hope you guys had a nice holiday. Um, Hopefully your family was safe and healthy. But uh, we're here to bring you another good episode. And uh, Jack, you want to start off with our first NFL playoff matchup coming up this weekend? I would love to. Um, The Colts and the Bills, the seven seed versus the two seed. The Bills are rolling into the playoffs with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Their, their connection being one of the most lethal QB to wide receiver duos in the NFL. The Bills defense has found its stride in recent weeks, giving up less than 20 points in four of their last six regular season games. Buffalo is most certainly a team to watch making a deep playoff run. But Indianapolis is no pushover. Uh, they, they won 11 games this season. Uh, they have a good rushing ta- a rushing attack led by rookie Jonathan Taylor and veteran quarterback Philip Rivers has been to the playoffs numerous times throughout his NFL career and this might be his last chance to get that Super Bowl ring so expect him to show up ready to play. Uh, the Colts defense played great in the beginning of the season but has struggled as of recently so it will be interesting to see if the Bills can exploit a struggling Colts defense or will Indianapolis find their stride from earlier on in the season. Yeah, should be uh, a good game. Uh, Bills Mafia, they got to uh, they got clearance to go to the game. Uh, I believe it's 6,500 fans allowed for the Bills, so that's good to see uh, if you're a Bills fan. And, uh, yeah, let's go on to the next game. We got Cleveland versus Pittsburgh, the sixth seed versus the three seed. Um, now, this will be the third time – uh, these teams play each other. Uh, they split the first two matchups after the Browns narrowly won in week 17 by a score of 24 to 22. Um, now Cleveland has a stellar rushing attack, uh, but you know, still a strong defense will definitely look to stifle the two headed monster of Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt. Uh, now the Browns, this is the first time making the playoffs since 2002. So, you know, they're going to be eager. They, they're going to try and uh, make some, make some uh, surprising surprising quarters happen uh, in front of them. And, uh, you know, maybe they'll give their fans a special run this year. But as for Pittsburgh, um, the playoffs are very uh, familiar for them, uh, especially for Ben Roethlisberger. Um, so they won't be rattled. Um, they'll go in there treating it as a normal game, essentially. Um and going back to Rosenberger, the 38-year-old, he's nearing the end of his career, uh, to say the least. So maybe, you know, this could be one last run for him as well, as you entailed with Phillip Rivers. So um, it'll be a good game to see him play. Um, but this game, it's going to be chippy. There's going to be some big hits, definitely some words exchanged. This has been a, a little bit of a heated rivalry this past season. And um it, it should be a very good playoff game, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, rivalry games usually are some of the best playoff games, so interested to see how the Browns and Steelers will shape up on Sunday night football. Uh, yeah. 
The next matchup in the final AFC matchup is between the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, these two teams met in the divisional round of last year's playoffs where the Titans stunned the number one seed Ravens. This year is quite different, though, as the Ravens have gone to the playoffs as a five seed, and not the one seed. Uh, they are playing well on offense and defense. Uh, they are going in on a three-game win streak, I believe. And both, uh, both teams have strong rushing attacks and multiple weapons being used by Baltimore, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards for the Ravens. While for Tennessee, Derrick Henry is an absolute machine. Uh, he rushed for over 2,000 yards this season, becoming only the eighth person to do so in NFL history. Also, he, he has won the rushing title in back-to-back -back seasons. Tennessee's defense, though, has been quite suspect, to say the least, all season long. So it will be interesting to see if they can find a way to combat the Ravens' offense led by Lamar Jackson. Uh, the Titans' passing game has taken steps forward this year uh, with Ryan Tannehill improving his arm and weapons like A.J. Brown and Corey Davis future, uh, further developing as solid targets on the outside. Yeah, should be another good game. Uh, really, every game should be – there may not be a blowout at all. But, um, you know, the key here for the Ravens is obviously Derrick Henry. Um, if they could contain him – their chances of winning go up dramatically, I would say. Um, but yeah, that should be another great game. And our next matchup is between the New Orleans Saints, the number two seed, and the number seven seed, Chicago Bears. So Mitchell Trubisky, uh, after being renamed the starter, he's helped the Bears reach the playoffs, uh, which with much better uh, offensive play. Um, before they they were struggling without him, uh, but he came back. He he was a big piece. And uh, so, but this week, it's going to be a very tough test for Chicago as the Saints are one of the most complete teams in the NFL. Um, the Saints defense is one of the best. So Trubisky will have to make some plays with his legs if he wants to cause problems for New Orleans because his passing just won't get it done alone. Now, the other quarterback on the other side of the field, Drew Brees, um, he's Again, a veteran quarterback might be his last playoff run. So uh, Drew Brees and company will try to go on a deep run after losing to Minnesota last season uh, in the wild card round, uh, upsetting loss for, for Saints fans and the team in general. But Brees will try and take home the Super Bowl one last time before retirement. I believe he already has a TV deal set in place, um, but I'm not totally 100% um, on that, but Anyway, Alvin Kamara is also on the COVID list, so that's a big hit um, if he is out for the Saints. That's a, that's a huge piece of their offense. But um, it, it, it could be a close game. You know, Chicago, they're coming in a little hot. So, you know, don't expect a, a Saints win. Yeah, um, don't, don't write off the Bears. Uh, if Trubisky does what he needs to do and, that, and the Bears' defense can uh... – keep the Saints offense in check. Um, the Bears definitely have a good chance of winning. So don't don't write it off just because it's a 7v2. <clears throat> Anything can happen. On to the next matchup, we have the LA Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, again, these two teams have met twice before this season, and they split the first two matchups. Uh, the Rams' defense is one of the better ones in the NFL, but the task of stopping a potent Seattle offense is not easy. 
Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Chris Carson are all highly rated players at their separate positions. Russell Wilson has been to the Super Bowl before and knows exactly what it takes to get there. So uh, don't be shocked if Seattle finds a way to move on. Wilson just has a record track record of doing well in the playoffs. And as for the Rams, Jared Goff did not play in week 17. Uh, He's coming off of surgery on a broken thumb and his status for this game is up in the air. I, I would say it's doubtful at this point. So John Walford, who got his first career NFL start in week 17, well, might be thrown into the fire and having to start a playoff game for a second career NFL start. That is uh, high stakes to say the least. Um, the Rams offense in general is average at best. And on the other hand, Seattle's defense is going into the playoffs playing extremely well. So it's going to be interesting to see the uh, Rams offense for Seattle defense matchup. Uh, this, this game could get out of hand for Seattle if, Walford ends up being the starter, but I mean, you never know. It is the playoffs and it is divisional games. So anything can happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seattle. I mean, they, they got some, some knowledge of the playoffs. They got some experience. Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, uh, they know how to deal with these playoffs. Um, and like you said, uh, that quarterback position for the Rams could be, could be quite ugly, but like you said, again, you never know. Don't count teams out just yet, but um, our next game, we'll go into our last game and it uh, is shaping up to be another good game. Tom Brady and the Bucks versus the Washington football team. Now uh, the football team, they won their game and they won their division um, and that put them into the playoffs. And now they verse um, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady. So he's back in the playoffs, Tom Brady, that is. However, in the NFC this time for the first time in his career. So the Bucs, uh, they should roll through Washington, however, because, um, you know, Washington, they, they, although they, they won the division, they weren't quite that good. But, uh, again, like we've been saying, you never know. So they should run through them. But, again, you just you can't assume anything. Now, uh, the football team – their front seven is very good at putting pressure on the QB. So if they can do that, they might be able to hang around uh, just this one game, but they sh- certainly can't do th- much damage after this. Um, Tampa Bay is missing Shaq Barrett and Devin White, two-star linebackers. So that is a vulnerable spot in the defense uh, that Washington can look to exploit. Um, it will be quite the story also if Alex Smith could find a way to upset Tom Brady uh, and that loaded Bucks team. Um been a remarkable comeback season for Alex Smith suffering that gruesome leg injury um, and uh, you know the football team uh, after winning the NFC East um, they have that star rookie uh, defensive end Chase Young and he said he was very excited uh, to face Tom Brady he said I'm com-, uh, he said Tom Brady I'm coming I want Tom I want Tom so I mean if that doesn't show that he's eager enough to to go after it that's uh, that's 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 good. That's good to hear. But um, and then also too, uh, Ron Rivera will have his team ready to try and play spoiler, uh, to another Super Bowl run for Brady too. So, you know, look look out for the football team. Don't count them out. Uh, like many teams we've said too. But 
Um, it, it, it could be a good game. Yeah, it could be a good game. Uh, the Buccaneers got good news after Mike Evans left the game. Uh, on Sunday, people thought it would might have been a serious injury, but I believe he only hyperextended his knee, so he's ruled day-to-day at this point and has a possibility of playing in the wild-card game against Washington. That would be huge for the Buccaneers, having one of their star receivers play. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the front seven of Washington matches up against Tampa Bay. Uh, to see if they can get consistent pressure on Tom Brady. That's always been the formula for beating uh, Brady, no matter what team he's been on, New England, uh, now Tampa Bay. Got to get pressure to the quarterback, make him feel uncomfortable in the pocket, throw off his rhythm, and that's that's the recipe for beating Brady. Um, yeah. Washington certainly can do that, and it'll be in the hands of Alex Smith on offense to see if he has enough uh, in the tank to stun the Buccaneers. Yeah. All right, on to college football. Uh, recapping the bowl, uh, some of the most uh, interesting bowl game matchups, and we will briefly discuss the Heisman Trophy, which will be announced tomorrow, and we will discuss the four finalists and who we believe uh, should should win. All right, um, let's get into this. We're going to talk about the Rose Bowl first. Number one, Alabama versus number four, Notre Dame. And Alabama won 31-14. to 14. Uh, Ian Book for Notre Dame threw for 229 yards and, and had one interception, did not have a passing touchdown. Um, that is never a recipe for success. Um, and as for Alabama, uh, Mac Jones had a field day, as he's had pretty much all season. 25 of 30, 297 yards passing, four touchdowns, and three of them going to star receiver Devontae Smith, who has seven catches for 130 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, uh, overall, Alabama just dominated this game top to bottom. Um, from the very beginning, Alabama's offense found its groove. Uh, and yeah, this this one really wasn't much of a competition. So yeah. that's really all I got to say. Yeah, you could say. I mean, Notre Dame never really stood a chance as soon as, as, soon as the game started, really. But... That's Alabama for you. Um, now they're back in the championship. Uh, next bowl game, uh, we got the Sugar Bowl. Number three, Ohio State versus number two, Clemson. Uh, projected first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, um, is no longer um, playing for college. Um, anyway, Justin Fields uh, – oh, excuse me. Uh, the, the score was 49-28, um, Ohio State. So Clemson goes bye-bye. Um, but for Ohio State, Justin Fields had 385 passing yards, 42 rushing yards, six touchdowns. Trey Sermon had 193 yards, uh, uh, 61 rushing. Excuse me. He had 193 rushing yards. He had 61 receiving yards and one touchdown. Uh, Chris Olave had six receiving yards. 100. He had six receive. He had six receptions. receptions. Oh my gosh! Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> 132 yards and two touchdowns. I cannot get that out for some reason. Um, let's move on from Ohio. Uh, let's go over to Clemson now. Jeez. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who is going to be playing on a new team next year in the NFL, most likely. Well, it will be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he had 400 yards, two touchdowns, not enough to match Justin's field, six touchdowns. Um, and that is, that's why they lost. Um, Cornell Powell 
eight receptions, 139 yards, and two touchdowns. There we go. Got that out that time. I don't know why I was having trouble. Um, but yeah, not the prettiest of games for Clemson. Uh, Justin Fields kind of took over the game. Um, and Ohio State really dominated uh, the entirety of the game. Yeah, uh, this is Ohio State's game from beginning to end. The offense was just rolling. Clemson couldn't slow him down. Uh, there was a debatable targeting call in the second quarter on senior linebacker for Clemson, James Skalski, and that had some people in in, in uh, up in arms and very unhappy, excuse me. And uh, I, I think that was a game-changing play. Losing a senior linebacker with a lot of experience um, early on in the game is something that hurts because Clemson had to put in a, uh, an inexperienced linebacker who is a young guy and it just doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same experience, doesn't have the same just mojo as Skalski would have. So that that's something that I found interesting. Uh, but yeah, Ohio State just took Clemson to the woodshed and uh, proved Dabo Sweeney's ranking of number eleven in the coaches' poll um, absolutely wrong. And Sweeney did really never address that after the game and said he had no regrets about his comments and just said that. He didn't prepare his team enough to take down Ohio State. All right, now on to the non-college football playoff bowl games. We we will discuss now the Fiesta Bowl, the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, between number 10 Iowa State, the Big 12 runner-up, and number 25 Oregon, the Pac-12 champions. Iowa State won 34-17, and the Cyclones really proved why they are a top-10 team in the nation with this win and how they are building something special uh, w- with the culture they have there. Brees Hall running back earlier in the season said after they beat Texas, we five-star culture beats five-star talent. And I, that that's something that I found really interesting is that the culture at Iowa state is really unparalleled to a lot of programs in the country. I mean, it's not always about the talent. It's about the culture, especially in college football and a lot of sports. So that that's just something I found really interesting. They're 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 taking the culture aspect of the game more heavily than the talent aspect, and it's working for them. Yeah, it's always good to see uh, colleges, uh, you know, not not teach the players just skills, you know, and building a a camaraderie amongst the team, and you know that like they like you said that culture, it's something great to have, and it, it goes a lot further than a lot of people think. So. Uh, Good to see um, that for Iowa State. But uh, the next bowl game we got was the Orange Bowl, number five, Texas A&M versus number 13, North Carolina. And uh, this game was, you could say, dominating fashion, which it was. Uh, 41-27 Texas A&M wins. Um, I mean, there's not really much to say about the game. Uh, Texas A&M, they capped off. A pretty good season. Um, they took down UNC. It, it was a hard-fought game. Um, you know, UNC, they try to stay in it, but, you know, Texas A&M was just too much to handle for them, and uh, they ran away with it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. As you said, A&M, uh, they, it was a hard-fought game. This was neck-and-neck uh, neck going into the fourth quarter, but A&M outscored UNC 24-7 to in the fourth quarter, and that's really what put the Aggies over the Tar Heels in the Orange Bowl to give Jimbo Fisher – and his school, the win. Um, Texas A&M got something good going on over there. Bright future down in College Station. Um, the next bowl game, 
we will be going over is the Peach Bowl between number nine, Georgia, and number eight, Cincinnati. Uh, the dogs of Georgia won 24 to 21. Uh, both defenses in this game played absolutely fantastic. Uh, uh, the Bearcats really kept it a lot closer than I think some people would have thought because this is an SEC school in Georgia versus an, a group of five AAC school in Cincinnati. And the gap in college football between Power five schools and group of five schools is really narrowing. And you're seeing that now more than ever with examples like this. Um, uh, Memphis played Penn state somewhat close last year. So uh, you're seeing a lot more of these group of five schools play tougher on top level competition. And, and that's something that you really like to see because it expands the playing field for the playoff. Uh, anyway, going back to this game specifically though, JT Daniels for Georgia threw for 392 yards. Uh, it's pretty, pretty good day through the air. Uh, again, like I said, a really defensive game, and the offenses seized opportunities uh, when they had them. But a game-winning field goal for Georgia with just seven seconds left uh, went went through from Jake Podlesny from 51 yards out, I believe, and that helped solidify a Georgia win. Yeah. Um... That was really, that was really Cincinnati's first um, challenge uh, of the season, you could say. They didn't face too much adversity, and uh, sure enough, Georgia comes out on top. So a good game by Georgia, and uh, bet that kicker is a hero around the campus now. Anyway, yeah. uh, to the Cotton Bowl, our next bowl game that we're talking about: number six Oklahoma versus number seven Florida. Um, a blowout victory for Oklahoma as they won 55 to 20. Um, not the prettiest of scores if you're a Florida fan. And uh, yeah, Oklahoma dominated, showing how Florida's smack talk did not translate onto the field at all. So uh, Florida was giving the smack talk over to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma, they stood, they stood quiet, they stood ready, and uh, it showed on the field, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma took that personally. Yep, uh, they did. It, you could say just like Michael Jordan. Yep, and and they took that personally, and they went out in the field, and they absolutely dominated the Gators. They did not let up. Spencer Rattler had quite the day for the Sooners. Uh, Lincoln Riley was not about having it. Dan Mullen, the Florida head coach after the game, said, uh, you know, we, didn't, we didn't have certain players. And, yes, they didn't have Kyle Pitts or Kadarius Tony, two of their major offensive weapons, but – uh, you can't be talking the talk knowing you don't have some of your best players and then make excuses after the game. Uh, I mean, you got beat down and you got to accept that and move forward. And yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Not, not much else to talk about here. Oklahoma beats down Florida in a primetime bowl game. All right. On to the cheese at bowl. Number 21, Oklahoma state versus number 18, Miami. And Oh my goodness. Miami fans have got to be, got to be hiding during bowl season because uh in recent history their school has not fared well in bowl games at all going one and ten in their last 11 bowl games and their last bowl win was back in 2006 so 14 years without a bowl game win for the miami hurricanes Ugh, that is not a good look oklahoma state pulls out a 37 34 win and uh not not much else to say in miami yeah. yeah, that's it's as a school, you, you don't want to see those numbers, uh, really ever. Um, quite concerning, 
But uh, next bowl game is the Cure Bowl between Liberty and number 12, Coastal Carolina. It was a close one. It went to overtime. 37-34 was the final score in favor of Liberty. Um, now, this was the best group of five bowl matchup. And uh, Soul Liberty spoiled the perfect uh, season for Coastal Carolina. It was a thriller, though. It was a thriller. Um, and now both of these, uh, both of these programs, they have bright futures ahead of them. They are uh, they're on the uprise. That's uh, to say the least. Um, Liberty had a had a good season, and Coastal Carolina, like uh, like I just mentioned, they had a perfect season going. So good years, uh, good year for these two programs and. They will have a lot similar seasons for many years to come. Yeah, as you said, uh, both these teams, two of the best group of five teams in all of college football, the Liberty Flames going 10-1 and one on the season and Coastal Carolina going 11-1. and one. Uh, Yeah, both these schools, bright futures ahead. Uh, great to see them play against each other in a bowl game. And uh, unfortunately for Coastal Carolina, they could not finish off the dream, the dream season of going undefeated, but still one that you – have to look back on and say uh, this took a big step forward for the program and same for Liberty, um, both programs taking steps forward and uh, these will be two group of five programs to watch uh, for the near future for sure. All right, on to our final college football discussion today. And that's going to be about the Heisman trophy takes home the best player in college football, the Heisman trophy. Uh, the four finalists are Devonte Smith, the wide receiver from Alabama, Trevor Lawrence, the projected number one overall pick quarterback from Clemson, Mac Jones, quarterback from Alabama, who really took a lot of steps forward this year. People were, he, he didn't even have the starting job secured at the start of the season. Five-star freshman quarterback Bryce Young was fighting with him all the way, but Mac Jones, uh, took it and ran with it. And then Kyle Trask, the starting quarterback for the Florida Gators, um, Another NFL quarterback who will definitely be taken in the middle rounds of this draft. It's going to be interesting to see who goes with the Heisman, who wins the Heisman Trophy. A lot of people, um, you know, it's up in the air. Uh, but for me personally, uh, all these candidates are had great seasons, very much deserving um, of his accolade. But the one person in my eyes who stole the show was Devontae Smith. Uh, he had 1,500 receiving yards in 11 games and 17 receiving touchdowns. I mean, this guy balled out in every game Alabama played. And, yes, that is a credit to Mac Jones, who was a very good quarterback this year. But Devontae Smith made some absolutely ridiculous catches. And I think that's why he should be the first wide receiver to win the Heisman Trophy since Desmond Howard. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I mean, 1,500 receiving yards in 11 games is just – absurd um yeah I, I i think it should be smith as well but like you said i mean these are all great young players they're all going to have great futures ahead of them so if if one wins it over the other it was much deserved either way yes yeah very will be very interesting to see who gets awarded the most outstanding player in college football in this odd season yep we'll all find right. out tomorrow exactly we'll find out tomorrow all right on to the world juniors and the, the world juniors this year again another interesting thing due to people that due to fans not being allowed and other stuff like that but um 
Tyler, would you like to take take this away? I'll be glad to. So, all right. So, we are currently in the semifinals uh, as we're recording this. Um, however, I'll uh, I'll give you guys a little recap of the quarterfinals. Um, so, the four matchups in the quarterfinals um, were as followed: Canada versus uh, Czechoslovakia, um, or the Czech Republic. Excuse me. Uh, Canada beat them three nothing. Uh, shout out for goaltender uh, Dylan Levy. I believe his first name is Dylan or Devin, one of the two. Either way, Levy has been great for Canada, posting another shutout. Um, and Canada obviously has just been dominant. Um, Russia versus Germany was the next quarterfinal game. Russia won two to one. And Germany, um, they took strides as a program. This was the first time making the quarterfinals in existence. So Tim Stutzla uh, led that team further um, than normal. So that was good to see for Team Germany. USA versus Slovakia. Uh, USA won 5-2. to two. Got a little close for the USA. They were up 3-2 in the third uh, with about nine minutes left. Um, and then they went on to score two goals to win 5-2. And the final quarterfinal game was Finland versus Sweden. Finland won 3-2. to two. And uh, this year... It was a sad year for Sweden as they lost um, a game in the preliminary round uh, to Russia in overtime. That was the first time, first game they lost in, I believe it was 54 games. So they were 54 and 0 in their last 54 preliminary round games. That was a great streak, may never be matched ever again. Um, but yeah, so Canada, Russia, the United States, and Finland all moved on to the semifinals and Jack, you want to go over the semifinal matchups? Uh, yes, I would, I would love to do that. Uh, Canada versus Russia, the first semifinal matchup at five 30 Eastern time. These matchups are happening today. Uh, so the Canada Russia game, if you're it's on Eastern time now. is going on right now. Yes. And both I'll winners check. will go to the gold medal game and the losers will play for the bronze. So, um, Again, heavy stakes for both these matchups. And then USA versus Finland at 9.30 Eastern time. Again, both these matchups happening today. And very interesting matchups. Both, all four of these teams, uh, excuse me, very good. And uh, they have certainly earned their right to this spot in the tournament. Um, Canada has represented many times in the gold medal game, as, as well as the U.S. and Russia and Finland. All these teams have made it to the gold medal game uh, multiple times before. So it will be interesting yep. this year around this year to see which teams will make it to the gold medal and eventually what team will win it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Canada, they've been sort of steamrolling through their opponents, but Russia, they're always pesky to deal with once it gets down to the, uh, gets down to the wire. Uh, Finland, USA should be a good matchup. Um, got, Trevor Zegers leading the way for USA and uh, Anton Lundell and company for Finland. Um, and speaking of some of those players, we're going to, um, you know, list you guys the top 10 players thus far of the world juniors. Um, even if their team got eliminated, it's always good to see the up and coming, up and coming talent around the hockey world and, um, and potential future NHL stars. 
Exactly. And most of these names that we're about to list off, I can uh, nearly guarantee you they will all make an NHL appearance in the coming years. Um, Jack, I'll go ahead and list the top couple and I'll leave you the rest. How's that yeah. sound? Yeah, uh, we can do like a half and half type deal. You do one through five, I'll do six through 10. Exactly. All righty. Coming in at number one, the best player so far uh, in the world juniors having a dominating uh, tournament, Trevor Zegras from the United States. Uh, he's been torching his opponents. Um, and keep in mind, um, all of these players have played the same amount of games, which is five. So keep that in mind when we're giving you the stats. Uh, Trevor Zegras, he has six goals, nine assists for 15 points in five games. Uh, that's amongst the greatest performances of um, a U.S player in the world juniors. So Trevor Zegers lighting it up for team USA. Number two uh, from Canada, uh, Buffalo Sabres prospect, Dylan cousins. Uh, he has seven goals, six assists uh, for 13 points. So one more goal than Zegers. Um, I believe he had a six point game. Uh, I believe he had a hat trick and three assists uh, in a game. And uh, yeah, he's been the leader for Canada. Zegers has been the leader for USA and now to another team, Tim Stutzla, the third overall selection in this past year's NHL draft, uh, Ottawa Senators prospect from Germany. He has five goals, five assists for ten points. Uh, he was the leader of that team. He wore the cap. He wore the C. Um, and uh, yeah, he was a great player. And the next two are also uh, German, John Paterka. Um, Another forward for Germany, four goals, six assists for 10 points. Again, him and Stutzla, very similar. Um, and then Elias Florian uh, from Germany, again, four goals, five assists for nine points. So those three forwards for Germany led the way. Uh, and that's why uh, they got to the quarterfinals for the first time in their program. These three guys definitely stood out. Um, and they were amongst the three best players uh, in this year's World Juniors. Yeah, um, keeping the list going. At number six, we got Peyton Krebs. Krebs, uh, the pro a prospect of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Krebs has showed out and played well in this year's World Juniors through five games. Uh, he's had three goals, uh, five assists for a total of eight points. Krebs, a uh, solid role player, playing well for Team Canada. Uh, a re big reason and why they are back in the semifinals once again. Uh, number seven, we got Anton Lundell. Uh, from Finland, another team that is in the semifinals. Lundell, a uh, bright, bright prospect for the Florida Panthers, was taken 12th overall in a 2020 draft. And in this year's World Juniors, he is playing, playing well. Four goals, three assists for a total of seven points. Uh, Lundell, a key piece for Finland in their quest to try to get to the gold medal game. At number eight, we're going back to Canada for uh, Connor McMichael. McMichael has been a uh, a leader for Canada. He's been in the World Juniors. Uh, what, Tyler? Is this his third time oh, around in the World Juniors? It's definitely his second. It may be his third. Don't quote me on it, but I know it is definitely um, at least, at least his second. Yeah. Yeah. So at least his second time around in the World Juniors, and McMichael is very is viewed very much as a leader for this Canadian team. And he has three goals, four assists for seven points uh, through five games. And 
leaders got to show through example, and McMichael is doing that here. That's why he's earned number eight on the list for Canada. And sticking with Canada, um, again, Quentin Byfield, the second overall pick in the 2020 draft to the LA Kings. Byfield has put up two goals and five assists for seven points. Uh, the young stud, Byfield, uh, should be a great NHL player down the line, and he is certainly proving his worth here in these World Juniors for Canada. And our final guy to cap off the list, Topi Nimela for Finland. He's a defenseman, I believe. Yep. And uh, a prospect of the Toronto Maple Leafs has two goals and five assists for, once again, seven points. Another guy with seven points. Topi Nimela, a valuable Finnish player and uh, someone that the Maple Leafs are hoping can develop into a solid defenseman at the NHL level. But as for the World Juniors, Topi Nimela is a solid defenseman for Finland and another key piece and to their quest for the gold medal. Yeah. And uh, all these players, we just said they're, they're key pieces as to why each team is where they are or where they got. Um, and uh, they could rack up more points and I'm sure they will. Cause these players are uh, quite the stars to say the least. And uh, now to wrap up the episode, we're going to bring you guys to our, uh, normal hot take segment um, to end things off. So Jack, you want to give us your first hot take? Yes, I will. We're going to the NFL and we're going to the Buffalo Bills, a team that I really like in the AFC to make a run in the playoffs. And they're going to, their offense is going to come out and they're going to house the Colts scoring 50 plus points on wild card weekend and riding the Colts, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. That connection is absolutely lethal, as we talked about earlier, and they will prove once more that they are they are really synced up and, and know each other on the field, and the Bills' offense will go bonkers. They, they're coming off a 56-point performance against the Miami Dolphins in Week 17, and I expect that offense to continue rolling and not slow down one bit. Wow, that's bold. But uh, the Bills, they scored 50 last week, didn't they? Yes, they did. 56 right, so, against the Dolphins. Yeah, they could do it. Um, all right. All righty. So um, my first hot take, you know what? I'll give you guys my uh, NFL one while we're at it, while we're on the subject of the NFL. We're going over to the Browns-Steelers game. I'm saying the Browns beat the Steelers for the second time in a row. Baker Mayfield uh, beats the Steelers by two touchdowns or more. Um, you know, I think the Browns are going to be excited. They're going to be pumped up. They got the city rallying behind them. Baker Mayfield's going to want to show the world what he's made of. Um, and I think the Steelers, uh, they've been lackadaisical the last couple of weeks. Yes, they won last week, but uh, – I not last week, two weeks ago, excuse me. But, uh, um, you know, I, I think uh, – I don't know. Baker's going to get it done. You watch. So, Tyler, you think postseason Baker's going to go on the road to Pittsburgh and get the Browns a win to put him in the divisional round? That is yeah. definitely bold. And the NFL by has 14 unlocked. Plus. The NFL has unlocked playoff Baker Mayfield. And he's right. ready to go. Tyler is emphatic about postseason Baker making a mark and ending the Steelers season earlier than they would hope. Uh, but for my second hot take, we're taking it back to the world juniors. And uh, 
as Tyler, you said earlier, Canada has kind of dominated their competition. I'm going to say that they go on an offensive hot streak and combine for 10 plus goals in the semifinal game and the gold medal game and coast to yet another gold medal in the world juniors. All righty. That is uh in semifinal and gold. That would be uh quite the domination. You could say that's a good one. And you know what? I'll follow you again. I'm going to the world juniors. Now you say Canada is going to coast a victory. I don't agree. I'm going to say both Canada and the United States, the top two teams so far, are going to lose. They're going to lose, and Finland will play Russia in the gold medal game. Now, don't I, I'm not going to say who's going to win between those two now, but all oh, I on. know— You got to tell us. You got to tell us who's going to win. All right, Finland. Finland's going to win for, second okay. year, or for two and three years. Quote me on it, okay? You got it out of me. But anyway, Canada and the USA will play for bronze, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna shock some people. So be ready for it. So do you think so? If if that happens, in your situation, if that oh, happens, it will happen. It will. Who's going home medalless? U.S. or Canada? You know what? I'm gonna throw another shock at you. Canada. Canada's going home without a medal. All right. Canada. Canada, you know, they, they steamroll steamroll through every opponent. You know, they uh they've had some close games here. Yeah, sure. So you but, think they're gonna uh, hit a lightning? I think, I think Trevor Zegris, Cole Caulfield, you know, they're gonna take over the game for the US and boom, 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 game over. USA takes home the bronze, Finland takes home the gold, and Russia goes home with silver. So okay, so you think the can so you think Team Canada is gonna pull a Tampa Bay Lightning and just absolutely shut down in the in the clutch. Yep. They face no adversity. Adversity wins championships. No adversity means you're going home early. All right. Okay. And let's wrap up this hot take segment. And I'm finishing off in the NFL. And I'm going to Washington, D.C. And I'm saying that Alex Smith is going to lead the football team to a 35-27 shocker over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on wild card weekend. Devin wow. White and Shaq Barrett not being there uh, on defense hurts the Buccaneers tremendously. Those are two of their best defensive players, not not active, not going to play. And um, that's going to hurt. And Antonio Gibson will be able to run through. If, if he gets through the first level, he'll be able to get through those linebackers who are not Shaq Barrett and Devin White. And he's going to have a good day on the ground. And then that, that opens up the passing game for Alex Smith. Washington will win. Brady will put up his points. That pass rush, though, will be a factor, I think. And Washington will punch their ticket to the division round of the playoffs. Mark my word. So not only are you picking a football team to win, but you're bold enough to give an exact score of 35-27. 35-27. Like I'm bold. It. I'm feeling bold this week, Tyler. I am feeling Bold. I like it. It looks like you're uh, following in my footsteps with that boldness. <laughs> All righty. Anyway, the last hot take of the episode, we're going to jump over to the NHL. Haven't done a hot take for that in a while. Uh, we're going to go over to my dreaded Rangers. Uh, I hate them. I despise them, that's for sure, being an Islander fan. 
Um, and I'm going to go ahead, go ahead and say their first overall pick, Alexis Lafreniere, will struggle and not even get 25 points in his rookie season. And he's not even going to be considered for the calendar. And that will be two failed seasons of rookies in a row for the Rangers after Capocacco, the much-anticipated rookie last year, didn't really do much at all, um, was not a threat in the slightest. And I'm going to say uh, the same for Lafreniere. Um, he's got a lot of hype around him in that big apple. And um, I don't think he's going to live up to it yet. Maybe the big apple's too big. Exactly. Maybe the big apple is just too big for Alexis Lafreniere. All right. That is going to conclude another episode of After the Buzzer. Hope everyone who watches till this point enjoyed uh, all the NFL, college football, world juniors, and everything that we talked about today. Uh, we'll come back at you with some more, some more content soon. And uh, we'll, we'll catch you guys in the next episode of After the Buzzer. Peace out.